Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What could be Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and welcome back, yes, back to Cage Rage Revisited, the side accompanying show to Cage Rage in which I go back to some of Cage's older works, ones which I uh, didn't have a guest for, recovering some films which I don't feel I may have quite done justice to, to give them a fair shake of the stick as we continue on our journey to true cage nirvana and how do we achieve that you may ask well it's simple it's by watching and in some cases re-watching every movie the man i call the golden hog of hollywood nick of this cage has ever been in so it's been a little while how have you been i hope you've been well hope you've been keeping good i've been busy if you've been keeping up to tabs on the socials um, and as you will have seen very recently drop on the feed the trailer for the new podcast that myself and fellow cage aficionado Petros Patsilavis are working on getting the foe you a dedicated Willem Dafoe podcast is coming soon so get involved with that it's a lot of fun in the meantime there's been a lot of Nick Cage news that we've uh having to keep ourselves up to speed with a lot of announcements coming out and keep coming out um we're hearing that's the Test screenings of Dream Scenario are going very well. That's looking very promising. We've got a trailer for Sympathy of the Devil is out now. We now know that Nicholas Cage's Superman is confirmed in cameo form in The Flash. And yes, I've I've seen the clip. It is an abomination. <laughs> look what look what they did. Look look how they massacred my boy. Look how they massacred my boy. Um, on that basis, I. Don't think I'll be covering the Flash on the podcast. I was I was torn about it, but I think there's no grounds to recover the Flash on the podcast. Still no news on Butcher's Crossing. We have no idea what's going on with the retirement plan. Arcadian uh, that has changed names. It used to be Sand and Stone. It's now Arcadian. Uh, long legs in the near future. We know that the Face Off sequel is in the works. Is Cage going to be involved in that? It has been announced that there's going to be a sequel to Lord of War. Lords of War is coming out as well. Who had that on their cage bingo card? I know I certainly didn't. And, of course, in huge gaming news, Nicholas Cage is going to be a downloadable character in the video game Dead by Daylight as well, giving his voice and likeness. And uh, starring as a survivor, which is incredibly exciting. I'll be jumping back into Dead by Daylight. Make no bones about it, going the full hog, the full golden hog on that game. Um, But what we do know for sure is that we've got a tremendous episode coming up for you today where we are covering one of the all-time Nicolas Cage classics, Face Off. I am joined by stand-up comedians Alan Irwin and Ronan Linsky for a a fantastic episode. It's a hilarious episode. What a pleasure it was to get these guys on board. It's a banger of an episode. I know that you're going to enjoy it. Um, and it's definitely going to be worth the wait, I can tell you that much as well. But yes, don't worry, the Renfield episode is coming, I'm working on it. Um, that aside, if you enjoy the show, all the links down in the description, uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all the links down below. 
But without further ado, let's jump into the episode. It's Daryl Edge, Alan Irwin, Ronan Linsky. It's Face Off. Enjoy. Duh. So this week, we return to 1997 to take another look at the action thriller Face Off. Cage plays Castor Troy, a homicidal sociopath who swaps faces and bodies with his mortal enemy, an FBI agent hell-bent on destroying each other. Now joining me on the journey to true Cage Nirvana this week to see if this movie can face the facts or is more likely to take your face off and sleep with your wife, are comedians and hosts of the Worst There Was podcast, Alan Irwin and Ronan Linsky. Thank you both very much for joining. Uh, how the devil are you both doing? Well, I'm 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 in a very good mood. I haven't watched Face Off. <laughs> See, conversely, I don't know how good a mood I'm in having watched Face Off. <laughs> interesting, yeah. interesting. So usually, find that everyone's like, even for the people who aren't the biggest like Cage fans. Um, they will say, oh, face-off, I like face-off, that's up there. So that's yeah. an interesting little tease of things to come in this episode. Um, <laughs> but as always, especially with new guests in the podcast, I'm always keen to know, um, for yourselves, where do you stand on the man I call the golden hog of Hollywood, Nicholas Cage? Uh, rate, hate, tolerate, uh, what are your opinions on the man? Uh, I will go and watch anything he's in because you know you just know you know it's gonna be you know you're gonna remember it you know you know you're gonna have a good time <laughs> <laughs> you know you're gonna get to see some really good facial expressions so uh, yes. I've just I forgot how much I enjoy his eyes yeah I'd go see anything he's in. Um, don't know if that means I'm a fan or not. Though. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think I have a Nick Cage DVD other than uh, Con Air. Just you know, Con Air is just something you always got to have in the in the in the bank. The Get essential the, DVDs. Know, Saturday. <laughs> Get that on at four p.m. Pretend you're pretend you're pretend you're just home as a child, sticking on ITV and watch some adverts <laughs> in between it. Why the Actually, that lights? wouldn't be on at four o'clock. <laughs> that would be a dark film for four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. I forgot about yeah, the rapist. <laughs> <laughs> if you just cut Danny Trejo out of it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, but then it's an inferior he was, film. He was, he, was cut, he was cut out himself of the of the plane. <laughs> <laughs> as uh, as Nicholas Cage said, you don't treat her women like a liar. Um <laughs> lessons to be learned all around it sounds like though Nicolas Cage I don't think people bring up his eyes enough quite frankly he's a great facial actor um, what what drew you to his eyes Ronan just he looks like he's having a good time you know <laughs> like there's some actors you know the whole method acting thing of like oh they're being the person I'm like he's enjoying himself acting he's not trying to method and become the actual person he's like I'm going to have a great time here on this set. And, you know, at the end of it, maybe there'll be an all right movie. <laughs> maybe I've got him wrong. Maybe he, t- maybe he takes it very seriously, but. <laughs> he's he's just in it to have, a, he's here for a good time, not a long time, as yeah. far as you're concerned. 
<laughs> which is delightful. That's a nice thought to have, though, um, going into Cage's films. Uh, I suppose, Alan, sort of same question for you. Uh, where's your stance on on Nick Cage? Well, I mean, first of all, um, I will say that I I, I enjoyed uh, Face Off more than probably the initial comment would suggest, but, I, you know, I like to be a grump. Um, I realized, I was like, I have not seen that many Nick Cage films, so I went through his filmography, and I've actually seen about three. So right. I've realized that my main exposure to him was incessantly seeing clips from the Wicker Man remake, um, where he gets very <laughs> angry at some bees. Um and uh, obviously face off. I've seen face off before actually, and The Rock, uh, which I watched a couple of years ago while very drunk and had a great time. But I mean that could be as much Sean Connery. You know, it's so hard to know. Um, but yeah, I mean he, he's he's. I think Roland's right. He doesn't. Well, actually, I'm saying this, and then you might tell us we're totally wrong. But he doesn't strike me as like he takes this craft like incredibly. Ser- you know, or, well, actually, not that he doesn't take it seriously, but that he doesn't think you can't enjoy yourself while being a good actor. Um, yeah, and I mean he's memorable. He he chews a lot of scenery, you know. Um, he chews so much scenery that actually you wouldn't even cons- you know normally chewing scenery is like Ian McDermott playing Palpatine in Star Wars, and you're like because he's not normally like that. But I feel like Nicolas Cage is always like that, so it's not even notable anymore to be like, oh, he's a bit he's a bit over the top on this one, you know. <laughs> so I think that's the first time we've ever said a ever heard on the podcast that. Cage is full Palpatine all the time. Oh, he is? He's unlimited power, like 24-7, you know? <laughs> I I hope, if, if we ever live in the timeline, maybe not in our lifetimes, should the Star Wars franchise get rebooted, because I'm, I'm also convinced that Nicolas Cage will not and cannot be killed by conventional human weaponry, um, that we can live in a time where Cage can be Palpatine, so we we can just that's get a, a take great on a... like in terms of fantasy casting, you're not going to get much better than and not even I don't know if he'd be that good in Return of the Jedi, where you know the Emperor's quite subdued, but in like Revenge of the Sith or Rise of Skywalker, um, you know, there's options, there's things that you can uh, you can uh, embrace there. You know, the hamminess is is off the charts. So I'm all for it. Really, personally, I think that's a great idea. Is... Was he up for any of the roles in in Star Wars ever? Um, he's, I think he's been asked about this because obviously, like Star Wars and Marvel, like they get everyone in the end. But Cage, he said in an interview, he was like, "I was a Star Trek man. I, I I can't be in Star Wars." So he's oh, I like him less. He's loyal. <laughs> Growth <laughs> just did so quick. <laughs> Cage <laughs> is cancelled. Yeah, hundred percent. No, uh, he's he's loyal to the track. He um he, he can't do it. He can't bring himself to be in Star Wars. Um not in this lifetime though, but I think outside of fantasy castings, he, he's also and I don't know like, you know, how how aware of how many roles he almost had as well. My favourite one is always one of two really, that he he was for a time the voice of Shrek before wow. um What? Before Mike Myers took over. Well he was he was pretty much about to sign on the dotted line. This came at a time where he was a father. He was trying to, I think he's a much more aware of his image just because of his kids. And I think just as the projection of the ogre is like, oh, I don't think I want to do that. And then Mike Myers sort of came in. So that's, that's one. Insane. Uh, 
Like, that's insane. <laughs> I can't get over that. I, I think like... we can end the podcast now. It's peaked. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think of Cage as Hollywood's greatest what-if actor. Um, he was almost in Dumb and Dumber in the Jeff Daniels role, but he dropped out to do Leaving Las Vegas, which he won the Oscar for, so it wasn't the, the, the biggest sort of disappointment for dropping out. Uh, for a time as well, this one's my favourite. Before uh, Vigo Mortensen, he was very, very nearly Aragorn in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, that could have been that could have been strange. Uh, Ar- Aragorn's the, sort of the Ar- Aragorn's the realism of the movie. You, know, you can't have Nicolas Cage being like, hold on, that guy's just supposed to be the human. Why is he acting? <laughs> <laughs> Sitting bug-eyed in a tavern. Would, did you did you um you probably already spoke about this uh, or heard about this but face off i heard i heard that it was supposed to be schwarzenegger and stallone supposedly. Well, certainly something that was going to bring up obviously yeah. cage and travolta um heading up the poster headline in the film yeah. there was like a number of um uh duos that the studio sort of initially wanted um schwarzenegger and stallone were one of them which I think Schwarzenegger impersonating Stallone and Stallone impersonating Schwarzenegger would have just been fucking chaos. Mm. Oh, yeah, it would, um, it would not have worked. I'm trying to imagine how you do a Schwarzenegger impersonating a Stallone accent and it and it makes sense and then also not verge into some just kind of very borderline, potentially racist accent. I don't know. <laughs> um... <laughs> See, I'd heard that like this had floated around for years, and like, was there like Michael Douglas and Harrison Ford, and De Niro and Pacino, which they would be weird in wow. this film. Uh, I think that might have been more screaming. Yeah, yeah. If anything, Joan Allen wouldn't have played his wife. It would have been a much younger woman. Um, that's that's topical today, you know. It would have really confused. Um, would have confused Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan. You know, they, they maybe they would have come on as like script editors or something like <laughs> teaching each other how to do impressions. Yeah, Michael Douglas and Harrison Ford were, were pitched. I think by the time the movie actually started getting made, uh, Michael Douglas felt he was too old, and like sort of blink and you miss it. But you'll notice Michael Douglas is like a producer on this film as well, mm-hmm. right? So he he sort of had his he's a. Finger in the pie, face off for a while. Bruce Willis and Alec Baldwin was also pitched, but uh... this face off should be made every two years. It should, just, it should just be like it should just constantly come out and just get yeah get two different actors, same script, same same director, even maybe I don't know or no yeah different director, but exactly the same script, two actors, one director, and reinterpret. It should be like the most reinterpreted film. I don't know, yeah. Just any any combination of actors, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> this should be the, one of the most important works of our time. Yeah, this should be on Broadway. Like, well, yeah, I suppose in music, yeah, you go, you know, people reinterpret things constantly. You know, like everyone, everyone does a version of Hallelujah or something by Leonard Cohen. It's like, let's see, Face Off. Just every Christmas, here's a new a new version of Face Off released. <laughs> <laughs> like Stories it's on after EastEnders on BBC One on Christmas Day, just like yeah. and now and this now year's I... edition of Face Off with like Miranda Hart and David Mitchell or something, you know, just <laughs> like absolutely <laughs> insane combinations. 
but then it's then it's David Mitchell who has to fall over the thing all the time. Oh, I want to God. see Miranda Hart with dual wielding gold pistols. You know what I mean? That's that'd be good. I'd be up for that. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of clumsy people in this film, so I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> all the bad guys would be like, "No, it's me that's supposed to fall over." <laughs> I think I think that's a brilliant idea. That um, face off is the hallelujah of movies. Yeah. Face off is to films what hallelujah is to is to music. <laughs> that it should be reinterpreted. God, I'm furious that it hasn't been, to be honest. Yeah. Like it does there is a sequel coming out, insanely enough. Uh, Adam McKay is directing a sequel to come out next year, I want to say, 2024. And um with Cage and, do and Travolta? Well, this is the thing. It's the the finer plot details haven't been revealed quite yet. Um, Cage is sort of teased in that he's got he might have some kind of involvement with it, um, which in, which I'm finding basically. If Cage teases that he's in a film, he is in the film. Um, I see about aging the podcast a little bit by saying this. Last year he did an interview with like GQ magazine, and the whole thing came up about how he was nearly Superman in the nineties. Uh, the Kevin Smith scripted and uh, Tim Burton directed Superman that never happened. And it's one of those internet question things. Um, you're like, oh, he was an inner Superman. Why hasn't this happened now? And his answer was just basically, he winked at the camera more or less and said, um, does it matter how long I played the character for? There might still be a chance. And now we basically know that he's going to cameo as Superman in the Flash movie that's coming up. Um, oh. Which... Which now means, unfortunately, that I have to cover the Flash, um, <laughs> because he, he, he doesn't stop making movies. Um, he is prolific, so isn't he? he? Like for a guy, you know, usually just, you hit his sort of age, and you're like, I'll do two or three films a year max, and there'll be like things that yeah. interest me. But everything interests him. He's a very positive guy, clearly. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys who said basically, if I'm not. And whether this sounds healthy or not, he's like if he's not working, then he doesn't really know what he's doing with himself. I think it's in like a point in his career now where he's he's a lot more selective with films. He's trying to go back to his independent roots more than anything. Um, that's why he did films like Mandy and Pig. He was trying to find like new, young, fresh voices to work with, um, which has sort of added to this kind of um, sort of cage renaissance, which many people are dubbing it as well, which is. Um, you know, your boy's giving back to the community, which is uh, what you like to see. Um, and it, we you kind of find out being in this very cagey rabbit hole sphere that, like, he keeps announcing more films. Like, just at the start of this year, 2023, out of nowhere, um, a Western movie just dropped out of nowhere. And when I tell you that the cage pod sphere was in fucking disarray, um, scrambling to get their hands on this Western this year. Oh, what a time! <laughs> I, I could tell you, I could tell you some stories. Obviously, a lot of people sort of call Face Off um, arguably one of the, one of the, the best Cage films. It's always sort of in the top five conversation. I find um, mentioned previously that you've both seen this before. Um, do you sort of recall the first time that sort you both? So that, Ronan, we'll start with yourself. Um, do you recall the first time you saw Face Off? Um, I, feel, I feel like I like what 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 rating is it? Is it a twelve uh, or is it more? Eighteen, I think. Is it eighteen? Yeah. Okay. 
Um, because I have a feeling I saw it pretty early on, but I would have been eleven. I came under twelve, but I, uh, I just I feel like because when I watched it last night, I was like, I don't think I've seen this film in about eighteen years. You know, yeah. like I, I don't think I've seen it in a, or maybe not even. I think I've only seen it maybe once or twice before, and I, and I do think it was very you know I, the poster was was definitely very iconic. You know, I remember just seeing that and. Maybe maybe just like the thing we were talking about earlier about Keith Chagman's Naked Jungle. Maybe I didn't actually see it. Maybe I just saw the poster so often I thought I'd seen it. Because uh, there, there was a lot after having watched this. I was like, I don't remember hardly any of this. Um, maybe it is one of those films where I'm like, I haven't actually, a bit like Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. People are like, I don't think I've actually heard Leonard Cohen sing Hallelujah. No, um, I, I'm not sure. I've got no memory of actually watching it or where that would have been. You know, all all I'm thinking is like older brother, older brother's friends. Maybe a VHS copy was being watched somewhere. Yeah. That's about it. You know, it's kind, of, it's kind of the more you express like your thoughts and feelings about Cage, like the less convinced I am that you're a fan, Ronan. It's like you're talking yourself, <laughs> <laughs> just talking yourself out of it. <laughs> commit, commit to the lie that I've built. I, I know I am. I am like a, actually, I think I'm more like Al. I'm like, hey, I've seen that photo of him with the beast. <laughs> you know, I've seen that. We've yeah. all just collectively had a fever dream that we can't really yeah. confirm. If, if and I, feel, I feel like, yeah, that's what it is. I've seen Con Air every year for about 20 years. So maybe every year ago, yeah, I watched the Nicolas Cage film this year. Like, oh, right, it was Con Air again. <laughs> like, any time my wife is like, I want to watch something on a Saturday evening and we can't be bothered th- thinking of anything, we go, I just stick Con Air on. You know? so, by the way, listeners, if you want to subscribe to my Con Air podcast, it's. <laughs> which is it's going to be it's going to be called con air and the con is that i haven't seen any nicholas cage films so that's, the big con. that's the big episode 100 reveal um but yeah no i think yeah probably probably like yourselves the poster just poster was everywhere like it was just we're like oh look at that how did they do that how did they take a photo of half a guy's face and have a photo of <laughs> tomorrow's world good time to be alive mind blowing um, and uh, Alan for you do you sort of recall your uh, your face off memories of, of you old? see well, so I'm a bit, I, uh, amazingly when you look at our faces I'm a bit younger than Ronan so I was 8 I think 97 this is isn't it so I was 8 yeah. um, 8 sorry uh, I forgot about the accent um but <laughs> I, it must have been like, I feel like I have seen this, right? But ne- not in one sitting. I've seen the entire film across multiple airings of it. And I, I feel like it was on, you know, whenever ITV used to have a film and then they'd break for the news and then they would go back to the film. And my only real vivid memory yeah. from it is the, is the, and actually it's very, I will say it's very well done in the film, but I'm sure we'll talk about it. Uh, Caster Troy's face when he has no face. Where they don't really show you it. I have a really vivid, but in my vivid memory, like you really saw it, you know, probably disturbed me as a child. Um, and explains, you know, all, all my night yeah, sweats yeah. even to this day, you know. <laughs> it is, it is a horrifying, um, glimpse of Faceless Cage. Uh, apparently in that scene, Cage asks for 
I don't know how true this is. Apparently, he asked for all reflective surfaces in the room to be removed, so we didn't have to look at how grotesque he was in makeup with no face. I, I thought from the glimpse, it just it kind of looked like a cheeseless pizza. And it just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just basically like. <laughs> I thought they maybe weren't showing it because they're like, we haven't done this well enough. <laughs> <laughs> he wakes up from a coma. Um, you know, you, you wake up from a coma with no face and you're sat there thinking, one, this isn't Conair. Two, God, I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, give me a marinara. <laughs> a wee bit of basil, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> Little basil eyebrows. Um, Yo, hold yeah. on, this is the 90s. The you would not have a, a plain pizza. You would not have one. You'd have yeah, like a. You would have had a mighty meal. Like, pepperoni was a revelation in the nineties. You know what I mean? Like that's you'd have, you'd have yeah. blown your mind with a meat feast. <laughs> <laughs> was the two for two for two Tuesdays of Domino's around in the nineties? No, probably not. Was it? We were still. Eating I don't think Domino's was pizzas, around. Which were like, yeah, we were eating like supermarket ones, which were like basically like a loaf of bread with some tomato on it and cheese. They were like, that's what pizza is. <laughs> If if you could have had a glimpse to the future and seen the possibility of upwards of three meats on a pizza, I don't know that my life would have been the same with that knowledge. (laughs) I mean, I I I say this perhaps perhaps not controversially. I'm a Hawaiian kind of guy. Oh, I love yeah, I love Hawaiian. Boo! (laughs) What do you, you don't even eat cheese? Never, you do, you I do. I eat cooked cheese. I need a pizza. I wouldn't eat a cheese sandwich. I, but you know the people who are like, oh, you can't have pineapple on a pizza, and then they're talking into like, I like a Cajun chicken pizza. You're like, well, what's that? You know, what is that? That's what you order. You do order a Cajun chicken pizza. <laughs> I do. I, lo- I love yeah, a barbecue. Well, you can't have fruit on a pizza. But hold yeah, on. You, yeah, you can't have fruit. I, it's on not a pizza, that I but, think you can't have fruit this, because uh, it's not authentic. It's because it tastes like shite. Oh, well, that's that's fine then. If that's your opinion, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. The Thank Nicholas you. Cajun pizza, everyone. The Nicholas Cajun pizza coming soon, courtesy of Cage Rage, Nicholas Cage podcast. Um, <laughs> I suppose Nicholas Cage is Nicholas Cage to films. Maybe to some people, is like pineapple. And you know, he's like it films pizza. He's the pineapple. Sometimes some of us are like get more of that on there. <laughs> I don't even want to see the base. Yeah, and some people are like, "Oh no, he's a bit hammy." Don't <clears throat> <laughs> 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 don't you clear your throat? You would normally be proud of that joke. You're just trying to look cool in front of Daryl. <laughs> I, I made a film of that next week. <laughs> look, Somehow. it's 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 fine, guys. I don't do stand up anymore. You, I'm a, you know you're allowed to be funny around me. It's fine. You got um, out. <laughs> <laughs> I got out. <laughs> But then the podcast game pulled me in. So, I mean, my sort of thought, like, re-watching Face Off um, is, is one, like, I don't know that they make movies like this anymore, really. Uh, the 90s, it was, and obviously bringing up Con Air as well, like, in America at least, Face Off came out, like, two, three weeks after Con Air. Um, so it was just, like, an... In- Nicolas Cage had the most insane 97 um, that you could possibly think. Um, 
I think this went straight to like number one in the box office when it came out. Knocked Batman and Robin off the top spot. Conair was down at number five. And not just that as well. There was a period of time, like sometimes like, oh, what kind of like award traction was this getting? These aren't going anymore. But at the 1998 Blockbuster Awards, Nicolas Cage won Favourite Actor for Action Adventure. And at the MTV Movie Awards, same year, Cage Travolta won Best On-Screen Duo as well. So we cannot say that this is not a celebrated man that we're talking about. The coveted I think best on-screen duo. The coveted <laughs> on-screen duo award. The year before, in fact, uh, best on-screen duo was won by uh, Cage and Connery for The Rock as well. So he was on God. a hot streak. I think they don't do the Blockbuster Awards anymore. I forget. I don't know the exact reason, but I think for some reason... They stopped doing it after 9-11. Um, it was just too risky to celebrate the blockbuster anymore after 9-11. It was a changed world. A lot of things changed post 9-11. But for a time... People would be like, it's kind of rude after you know, doing the best on-screen duo whenever like America's favorite duo was no more. I don't know. <laughs> to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> that was clunky as best. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If it's any consolation, Ronan, that's where my mind was going as well. Um, <laughs> you probably had a smoother joke than that. <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm out of the game. I've got no skin in the game anymore. I haven't, I haven't touched a real microphone in years. My hands are trembling. But before pre-9-11, when Blockbuster Awards were a thing, Nicolas Cage was um, won the most Blockbuster Movie Awards. There's a little bit of trivia for you. Celebrated for a very long time and i remember one of the last times i watched this like i i say asked i gently coerced my other half into watching this movie with me just trying to download my cage it's basically autism onto her um and i was like i don't know like if you have more success than i did but this this is one of the few films because just like oh like what's face off about and for the life of me, I couldn't, I could not describe this movie. It's, it, it sounds like you've had a nightmare. Um, and not to put you on the spot, like, would either of you be able to like describe what this movie is if like someone had asked you? Well, I, I work with someone who's, she's about 22, 23. And I was telling her, oh, I'm doing this podcast. And I was like, face off. And I just, you know, you just assume you have this thing. You're like, oh, you know, face off. Just like, I've never heard of that. And I was like, Nicholas Cage is like, who's that? And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, there's not enough time here. To, we're only in work for another three hours. You know, I can't. Shambles. So I did have a go. And then as I was describing it, I was like, well, obviously I was describing it quickly and badly. I was actually on my way for lunch, to be honest. But I was like, oh, you know, a special agent has to find out where a bomb is. And he has to interview a terrorist brother and instead of just getting him to reveal the answer like they go well i guess you could take the terrorist face and go into prison and talk to his brother and, and she was like that sounds terrible <laughs> and i was like it does when i pitch it like that anyway but yeah <laughs> you know but, uh, you say it, it's i've not described it well but i've got a great bit about how 9-11 stopped the blockbuster film awards if you'll just hear me out five more minutes <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I suppose like the same question for you alan like would you be able to like synopsis 
I was like, you're downstairs. I was like, there's nothing tied. See, what's so strange about it as well is that the plot is kind of irrelevant. Like, we never really find out, like, why is the bomb there? What who who's he doing it for? What's the the motive? What's he trying to get out of it? So instead, it's just like, well, so there's this guy who's evil, and a cop is trying to catch him, and they end up having to swap faces through conversation, and then and then there, some things happen that in the nineties, you know, were portrayed as being bad, but weren't quite as you know. I mean, he you know, he pretends to be the guy to his wife. Like dark things happen in this film. Again, pitches like this are why this script lay around for years because nobody knew how to pitch it. How do you pitch this film? <laughs> this is what I mean, though. This is kind of one of these one of these films which I can, um, I guess, loosely classify as it makes sense when you're watching it, but when you try to describe it to um, someone who hasn't seen the film. Um, they will ask you if you've taken your medication, because um, I, I just, I just had to sort of like concede to my girlfriend. I was like, I, there's no way that I can try and describe this film without completely putting you off. Um, I think we, we, you sort of just have to, like, um, hashtag just trust me. Um, it's gonna be fine. Um. And then an absolutely crazy two hours of movie happens following this. I mean, the obviously what you, what you were saying there, Alan, like Alan, like a lot of things aren't necessarily explained, um, and it's kind of you get like a tidbit of like the uh, Sean Archer Castor Troy backstory at the start with like the <laughs> the flashback and the carousel, um, and Cage for some reason has a mustache. Um, uh, and then he, he, he looks like a 1970s a IRA man. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's I genuinely one of the few things I wrote about that scene was this is high camp, like it's proper camp, like it's so. That, that and John Travolta giving his son a wee kiss and like crying at how nice his wee son is. Oh, it's just what a what a the blood on the horse, like what? Oh, I love it. The blood on the I horse, love was it. like that. That made me laugh. Well, I, I thought I thought that start was like it looked like you know like A level directing or something. Like John Woo is a good director, isn't he? <laughs> is he considered a good director? Or, oh um, yeah, John Woo. I, I just thought yeah. that was like that mm-hmm. uh, that start was just the way it was shot and everything. It looked like I don't know, yeah, an A level art student going here's a emo I don't know art. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was really like like I was like, what is what's the filter on? I suppose it's supposed to be memory, is it? Like the filter on the the camera, the directing cells. Yes, yeah, like, like CPA, isn't it? Memory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That looks so cheap. Carousel. Yeah. That the blood on the horse is just awful. <laughs> uh, I mean I, I kind of like that. You know, you don't see Cage with a moustache very often in movies. I could probably, I'd struggle to count on one hand the amount of movies that he has just just the moustache in. But then I like he's just got like a little sippy cup with him. He's just having like a really nice day on the grassy knoll. And like he shoots through the like. I don't think he meant to shoot the boy because um, it looks like he has like a hint of regret on his face for like a split second. Um, but obviously, glossing over one of the 
the weird, weird motifs in this movie of the face stroke mm. as well. Which oh, it's horrible. I hate the face strokes. Yeah. It's so he it gross. With his child, he does it with his wife. Yeah. Yeah. Does he do it with his daughter at some point? Do they do a face stroke? Bit? Yep. Yep, he does. She yeah. It's horrible. Does the face stroke to the adopted boy at the end as well, yeah. but it's. I think it's like eight or nine of them. It's like take a drink. Who she's just met. Stroke. Like there's a wee boy who, well, not no spoilers, but he's had he's had a couple of traumatic <laughs> events in the last two days, and then not, yeah. some girl he doesn't know is like rubbing his face. Yeah, and he's like, "I'm in the family now." <laughs> yeah, we're a family of hypnotists. <laughs> so this is it: the power of the nuclear family. Um. But yeah, no, I was going to say that the, the grassy knoll he was on near a carousel. I was like, where's the spot? Where's the spot to shoot? You know, whenever you usually see a carousel, there's not really anywhere around it. We could shoot at it where there isn't people just always around. If you're at a fairground, people are generally like, oh, what are you doing there? And like, oh, I'm trying to, I'm aiming for the, for the coconut shite. And they're like, you're not even putting the gun the right way. <laughs> he, he shot the boy and he's like, I win the, <laughs> I win the stuffed boy now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, it 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 is it is kind of just a really strange setup with the filter as well. But then it, obviously it moves on quite quickly. We're like, right, here's the drama: good guy, bad guy. Let's set it up. And um, you've got Sean Notch as the head of a covert anti-terrorist team, who, like, obviously at this point for six years, he's been obsessed with finding. Troy, this has been his whole life. It's affected his relationships, uh, his relationships, and then Caster. I think one of just like the one of many standout scenes is uh, dressed as a priest at Los Angeles Airport, singing "Hallelujah." It comes up again, uh, just sort of head banging and having the. I mean, what a way just to set up what an absolute maniac. Um, that he that he is for this one as well. I saw um, an interview that Cage did about sort of that scene. Uh, he said like this was the first scene that he shot, and he said like after John Wu saw him head banging, uh, Wu said like, "Oh, I guess we're doing that kind of acting." Um, <laughs> which, um, can I destroy it? By the way, this is maybe controversial, but I don't think he's the villain of this piece. There's a moment you've just breezed past Ooh. there with Travolta, right? Where, well, first of all, the opening line of the film is somebody going, have you eaten anything? And then somebody else saying, no. So they haven't eaten. And then they ask for a break. And then their boss tells them they'll have a break when they catch him. And you're like, the real villain of the piece is the man who's so ruthlessly capitalist that he won't even give his staff a break. You know, Caster <laughs> Troy gives them a private jet. John Travolta gives them nothing. <laughs> Selfish. That's my theory. Nothing else. They, I I like that theory. I like that theory. This is this film is, if nothing else, a pitch for the independent spirit of pulling together and not being oppressed under the uh, <laughs> under the fucking system. Yeah. Um, this was a a cab before a cab, um, <laughs> which is. Just just puts this just, just puts this whole film into a new light that maybe John Travolta was was the uh, uh, the monster all along there as well. 
But like Caster's having a great time. He's setting up the bombs. He's just I mean, he's he's just groping choir girls and like mm. screaming hallelujah. Um Did you think when you saw that scene that he knew her already? She looked at him and like dropped her things and then he just walked over behind her and she didn't she didn't scream or you know See, I think Ronan or this is something that we've come across on our podcast, which for the people who don't know is about uh, well, it's about bad periods in wrestling, but at the minute we're covering wrestling in 2000. And there's a trope that happens in 90s films and 90s wrestling where when a man forces himself on a woman, that's so sexy that he she likes him then. And I think that's what's happening yeah. in that scene. It's like when Hulk Hogan kissed just Tori the middle Wilson. Of singing, but you she know? Goes, yeah. She's singing and she just goes, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> is there anyone conducting them? Really, the conductor goes, who's that guy standing behind the mall? <laughs> he he wasn't on the bus with us. <laughs> <laughs> like, who is who is this man? It's like like oh, I mean like we're not even halfway through Hallelujah. I don't have time to stop this from happening. Um, Maybe I suppose was it the, was it the Catholic Church? I I suppose we can broadly assume possibly yeah. probably Catholic. But they're like, oh, that's fine. At least she's over 18. <laughs> I, 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 assume, <laughs> I assume. I assume. I've I've never seen a man this into the choir before. And he's dressed the part, so I've I have no qualms about this. Nothing a few Hail Marys can't sort out on the drive back. <laughs> on the drive <laughs> drive back downtown. But then it's sort of like building up to um, I was a, a, a big sort of bombastic like uh, chase scenes and shootouts on like the airport runway strip as well. Um, John Woo sort of showing off, um, you know, what it is that he brings certainly brings to the table in all of this as well. Um, obviously, Cage has got the, the 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 dual golden pistols. He's got that sort of. There's that shot of him like getting out of the car and he's all windswept in that sort of velvet red coat. Um, allegedly was a homage to Lawrence of Arabia. So I, I, I don't know. Might as well be. Did Lawrence of Arabia I, have I, gold I, pistols? It's very um, Hitman DLC, isn't it? Like, you know, you pay an extra one ninety nine, <laughs> you can have the dual wielding gold pistols. <laughs> I, would, I would pay for that. Oh, there you go. I have, I have no qualms about Cage DLC. I mean, he Nicholas Cage off off topic here. He is going to turn up as a playable character in the Dead by Daylight game. Oh, so, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. So you know, a face off game. Maybe when the sequel comes yeah. out, not outside the realm of possibility. Um, I don't. I don't know. You just have to be VR or something and swap faces and places with someone else. I think I need to pitch it to John Woo because he's out of the Hollywood game. Like a few films after this, Hollywood ruined him. Yeah, I looked at his Wikipedia because I was like going, oh, I wonder what John Woo films had seen. And he did really seem to just drop off. Like he seemed to just stop. And then I was like, oh, maybe he's made loads of TV. He made like three episodes or something or three. Yeah. He didn't really seem to do very much. I hadn't seen. What was it? Did he have another big film? Mission Impossible? Uh, I think he did. Impossible one or two. 
And then there was a film in, I want to say 2002, called Wind Talkers, which also starred Nicolas Cage. They kind of forced him to do a war film. Mm-hmm. Um, but say, unfortunately, the war and John Woo don't quite go that well together. Um, so I think he was just so burnt out on the Hollywood machine that he was like, literally, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, said, like, like, you've got face off, kiss my ass, I'm out. Yeah. Which, not a bad way to go out on could be worse yep um obviously with, with the with the wooisms as well though wooisms if that's a thing um it's kind of like a, a great scene and obviously we're saying about maybe sean arch being an absolute villain here he's driving like headlong at a private jet um he doesn't give a shit like castor troy's in there getting undercover agents to suck his tongue i can impeach <laughs> uh, for hours and she did it yeah she did it. It was so horrible. I mean, I wouldn't do that to someone I liked, never mind someone I hate. You know, if my wife said to me, suck my tongue, I'd be like, I need a divorce. I'm sorry. <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the Dalai Lama just watched Face Off when he was. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's checking to see if the kid was an undercover agent from China. He's like, are you trying to not pop oh, me God. off? The, the Dalai Lama has actually done a face off with Castor Troy. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that that does mean that Castor Troy is also now now a paedophile in the sequel. Um, whispering, to but he's a, a paedophile in this one as well. I mean, we'll get to that bit, but he's a bit uh, of a yeah, paedophile in this one as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. That, is, uh, that was that was the shocker scene for me. That scene, uh, I told I told the girl at work about that scene, then I realized like. That she didn't know much about the film. I didn't want to sound creepy. Are we, are we allowed to just race ahead to another scene? Or that... <laughs> by all means, by but all yeah, means. Yeah, that that scene when he's uh, when he's Sean uh, when he's Archer and he he looks at his daughter's bum through the door. You know who, by the way, I looked in real life was yeah. sixteen when this was filmed. Yeah, I looked too. I was like, and then do you know what movie she just done? Lolita. No. She, she, yeah, she's just been in Lolita. <laughs> she's in this. <laughs> She must have gone, what the hell's going on in Hollywood? <laughs> Who's this Harvey guy, by the way? He's put me in all these movies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I was like, not only is that, you know, obviously he isn't her dad, but that's her dad looking at her. And then you're like, but Castor's looking at, yeah. Oh. It was, I, was, I was a bit of a shocker. Where I was like, wow, that, I haven't seen something like that in a Hollywood movie before. You know, something is creepy. It's just it's all like creepy. It's it's that one of those scenes that I always forget. I think my mind just scrubs it every time. Mm. So I'm kind of like, is this incest via technicality? Yeah. Um, if well, I, th- I think apparently the studio really pushed for there to be an actual um, something more graphic than what we got, but Travolta and John Woo sort of pushed back and like, we need a line fucking somewhere. Yeah. Didn't this. they also? Um, I had heard that like some of the producers wanted her to be younger. They wanted like, like a thirteen or cast, year old. Cast that actress, but have a make her be thirteen or yeah, just to make it extra gross. Or, like, uh, I thought I thought they would have rolled <sighs> the other way. I thought they'd gone, we can't do this. <laughs> yeah, it's the nineties, man. <laughs> Everything goes. <laughs> It's a it's a brawl for all in the nineties, baby. Absolutely. Um, 
it's it's kind of like a weird thing. Because obviously, you know, Caster Troy's face offs as Sean, and he's kind of in full Sean Archer swing at that point in the film. But it's this weird thing of like the film doesn't hide the fact that like he very much might want to fuck his daughter, but then he's also there's a quick sort of gear shift, like a gear down or up, depending where he then kind of sort of comes in a weird way, like a cool dad, because he teaches the the, the girl, like how to defend herself by stabbing someone in the leg and twisting it as well. And I'm like, Oh, I I guess that kind of makes up for some stuff. And he's like cool with a smoking and stuff. Seductively takes that cigarette. It's like, don't tell your mom or I don't know. John yeah, well, Travolta, so what a time! I did, I did watch it. I did watch a YouTube video. I hope that's loud. But and and a guy was uh, was talking about uh, Face Off. I did watch the movie. I didn't just go. I was watching. Uh, and the guy was saying that weirdly, um, he's he's a better dad and husband in a weird sort of way. You know, he's he's given more time to his wife. I mean, admittedly, yeah, he wants to sleep with his daughter. He's not a great dad. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at. <laughs> <laughs> I am, but he is—he is showing her some cool stuff. I, I am. A lot of the stuff, you know, where he's like being a nonce. I, mm. I can't shake the feeling that it would have worked better the other way around. Like that, you know, Nick, like Nick Cage as Nick Cage is uh, no, no. <laughs> like that, Nicholas Cage should have been a cop who then is inhabited by the criminal. And then that would allow Archer to be more cagey while, right. you know what I mean? I make Travolta, the You're crime lord who now has a cop in him. Give us the switch. So, so Travolta. I'm, sorry, I'm, very confu- I'm, being, I'm confusing myself, even though I know what I'm trying to say. Um, so the film starts, <laughs> Nicholas Cage is an FBI agent and John Travolta yeah is uh, like an assassin guy. He... Mm-hmm. So then... <laughs> I'm lost. So well, then, you, you're saying is you're after they swap you're faces for the rest of the film, Nicolas Cage is is the cop, but he's secretly... Oh, fuck. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Well, no, what you're saying is you're annoyed that Nicolas Cage, for the rest of the movie, had to act... Like John Travolta, rather than being John, like Nicolas Cage. Well, well, what I'll say is what I found very fun about the film was that John Travolta doesn't usually get to do that kind of stuff. So John Travolta got to be like, "Cool, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a bad guy, I'm a sociopath, you know," and you could see John Travolta trying to do Nick Cage, but like you're right, Nicholas Cage didn't technically. He had to pare it down, you know. He had to, mm-hmm. while while perversely having to ham it up even more. <laughs> he had to be like, "Oh no, I'm, you know, I've got to be a normal guy." But hold on, I'm supposed to be this crazy guy, so I've got to go way through the ring. <laughs> Which is when you get the scene with the eyes in the mirror, where you go, "What the hell was that?" You know, where he's looking in the mirror, his eyeballs almost come out. You know, so it's. I think it's one of the best films. Like, it is almost one of the best films ever in that sense that that's such a clever <laughs> idea. No, it's not. No, it is in the sense that the idea that you could do it all the time. You wouldn't want to watch. You wouldn't care, like we were talking earlier. You wouldn't want to watch, you know, you've got, yeah, you say you've got the God. Yeah, well, the Irishman was pretty tired. But, you know, 
you know films with two classic actors is there is it heat or something that has heat although do you know what it's like um you wouldn't want to watch hoffman and uh day lewis and that you wouldn't be like oh let's watch heat again whereas generally if you release face off every year people would watch it they'd be like well let's see these two doing it you know the way every so often in the west end they'll do like a a two-hander play like they did frankenstein i think about 10 years ago and they would alternate roles each night so they should they should do at the very least they should do it again but with them reversed playing each other's parts and then they can do it again the other way back and we can all until the end of time and we all go insane (laughs) That's the way I want to go out. Dying in a theatre, watching my 100th performance of, of Face Off. Is that the revolving cast? Of, I'm still thinking about Schwarzenegger and Stallone. Yeah. Um, I don't want to see there is that, like, Arnie try to have sex with his daughter. That's horrible. <laughs> don't tell your mother. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's just, there is that, that great scene, though, where, like, um, Nicholas, well, Sean Archer as Caster Troy, John Travolta as Nicholas Cage has gone to the fucking Supermax uh, super prison, which is just like an oil rig in the future in the ocean for some reason. Uh, that's just just the detail they've got in there. And when he's finally got the information from um, uh, from Pollux Troy, the brother, he's supposed to sort of deliver it back to like the three people who know that they've swapped faces and bodies and all that. And then um, I see like Travolta or KJS Travolta sort of comes in and they have the first face-off of many face-offs in this film. And I think that's that's a great scene because it's, you know, the, the, the shock and the dismay in Cage's face. Um, and then that he's stuck in prison with sort of no way out. And then, and I will say, I think John Travolta does a great nick of this Cage, sort of begs the question who, like, does Cage do a good, better Travolta, or does Travolta do a better Cage? Just mm. hamming it up and going like, oh, I think you're going to be here for the next hundred years, which <laughs> I... <laughs> and then I'm imagining, like, uh, Stallone doing that. Yeah. Which, I just sound dumb. I just sound dumb now. <laughs> but I, I definitely think Travolta does a better Cage than Cage does a Travolta would be my argument, I think. But then, is it easier to do Cage than it is Travolta? Because, like, there's, like, a nuance to, you know. Yeah, in this particular film, like, you know, Cage is, you know, to play Cage, you have to be really over the top and hammy. While to be Travolta, you've got to be this tortured man, you know. The names are confusing me a lot, but you understand what I'm saying. Basically, I've said Nicolas Cage, you know, it's harder. He's a harder job, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like... I think they spent like two weeks together just getting like their cadences and sort of gestures and rhythms down. Um, I, th- I, think, I think we mentioned earlier, like you don't, you don't get to see Travolta like do this kind of thing that often, like for better or worse, you kind of expect it from, from Cage or the public perception of Cage. But um, John Travolta just having like the time of his life and it absolutely shows. And I, I, again, I just wish there was, almost like more interactions because it's kind of a lot of like what they're doing separately to sort of get back to each other. Um, obviously Cage has gone to the super, what a fucking weird place, the super jail with the magnetic, uh, magnetic boots to get the information on where this bomb is planted. 
again, as I think we said earlier, because they're like, oh, literally the only way we can get information on the bomb is for you to swap faces and go like, oh, sorry, what was that bit about the faces? Oh, just nothing. We just need to go into like a prison. Because um, you you know this guy better than anyone else. You know, like you, you've eat, sleep and breathe this guy. We think you should swap faces with him. And then go into this like prison. So you said something again about a face. No, 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 no. It's <laughs> just like these, oh, there's like moon boots. Like, I'm sure he said, and then we're going to swap your dicks around as well. What are you saying to me? Well, here, speaking of dicks, such a wasn't, there, wasn't there a deleted line where they said, oh, this will work because you have similar penises? <laughs> Which is incredible. Because <laughs> somebody asked, I suppose the quite reasonable plot hole of is, did his wife not notice that he had a different willy? Well, this is... Women don't know sizes, they're all... <laughs> that's, what, that's what you tell yourself, that... <laughs> I know because that was a weird line where, where uh, John Travolta said, "You know, I don't know what's worse, having your face or having your body." It's like you don't, you don't totally have the body. I know they did like a body augmentation, but you know, not you know, just a wee bit of like extra fat or something like that. It's not that. But they they did You know, like I know I'm poking holes in the whole ridiculous notion, but like. You know, there's a scene where you see them both and you're like, their hands are completely different sizes and shapes. Like, your family would notice that. Like, they would notice. They'd be like, why do you have big hands now? You used to have little Donald Trump hands, you know, and now you're a big freak, you know. It's just... Well, the, the, wet, the wedding ring, yeah. The wedding ring should have either slid off or not gone on at all. Just, uh, I mean, I, I, and also, I don't think they did. A, they didn't convince me that it had to be Sean, because they're like, oh, you know this oh, guy yeah, the, inside the, out, and the only thing he has to know is what drugs his brother takes. Where it's like anybody with and, like a one pager summary document could have could have pieced all that. Well, together. Yeah, they said you know this, <laughs> you know this guy in, inside out. And it's like, how often have you actually met this guy? Because he killed your son. You probably only met him what once. <laughs> you know, you probably you haven't exactly like been mates for ten years. All I know about this guy is he killed my son. I guess that's the main part about his life. You know, and you're like, you don't know the nuances nuances of the personality. Um, <laughs> so I want to catch him, but I couldn't. I couldn't pass like a mastermind quiz on the guy. Do you know what I mean? It's called a work life balance, guys. Come on. Yeah, um, and like I said, Alan, he has facts about him that they could have told anyone. But what does Caster know about Sean that meant he could impersonate him? You know, like you know, well, he knows he's got a dead people, son. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and he is pretty. He's pretty into that. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's his. I used to. I wouldn't, say, I, wouldn't, wah, wah, wah. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's his favorite thing, but it's the thing he talks about most. <laughs> And also he knows, he probably just knows to look at him. He's like, that guy does not give his staff breaks. So I'll just continue to do that. Yeah. <laughs> just imagine his staff, like it's like the Christmas work do. And everyone's taking like bets in the office. Like how long is it going to be before he brings up his fucking son again? Here, <laughs> speaking of a staff do where I'm actually going back a bit, but did you notice whenever after they catch Caster Troy, he goes back and they hand him a bottle of champagne and say the CIA sent that for you. And I'm like, don't drink that. They're gonna take you take you out like a Middle Eastern dictator. Like they'll be like, We've laced arsenic <laughs> in the champagne. Get rid of him. Yeah. He knows too much. And he, he knows what medication well, Castor Troy's brother takes. Kill him. He's disgusted by the champagne because of so many people died in the operation. In the in the mm-hmm. mission. Isn't he? Is that the whole point? Yeah. He goes like, you know. 
But that's one thing I was I was thinking about, Sean. He's so obsessed with this guy. Obviously, he is a terrorist, and he may have been planning a not like quite a minor explosion potentially. <laughs> but either way, all the same, probably in a, you know enough people would have died that it's worth worth having a go at cracking it. Um, <laughs> but he but he, his personal vendetta against him endangers his his colleagues. He's blinded by you know this this determination to catch him that actually in a way he causes untold death and destruction. And then like you say, then they go, Oh, there's no other way to find out where the bomb is other than to like slice your face off there, mate. You know, <laughs> with no faith in our interrogation techniques at all. Like I will say it's just uh a... we, we they don't they don't they don't mention this until nearly the end, but it's related to the bomb that the plan was to kill three Supreme Court justices. Right? Now I'm just throwing yeah. it out there. Which three Supreme Court justices? Like, are there three that we could afford to lose? Are they three? We, you know, is it big RBG? And like, I don't know. You know, which anywhere. ones is it? You know, because we've got. Yeah, because it's it's the nineties. We've got a democratic if president. You're, you know what I mean? You could uh, Native American. You're not a big fan of her, anyways. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> there were some justifiable losses, is what we're saying here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they should have gone like. Their the average age of them is about ninety one, so we can take the hit there. <laughs> Just so, Sean, if you agree to do this, <clears throat> we will let you bring up your son for a whole year, and we <laughs> won't say a thing about it. Does that sound like a good deal? I'm gonna just want to fly my plane, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, going back to like that's a great impression. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said off record to Ronan like the uh, the uh, pandemic affected us all in different ways and uh, Nicholas Cage and John Travolta was mine um, I mean going to like the the hog size plot hole in this like hands and hogs when I was watching this with like my other half I sort of turned to her and was like for fear of sound, sounding like an absolute weirdo here if I let's say hypothetically for some reason I was in a face-off scenario. Um, someone comes home, and it's like it's me, but it's not me. And I've prepared you. And if you look at the table of things he's prepared, because I, I remember he he got the, his wife's diary, and that's how he knew how to like woo her and win her over and stuff. But he has like uh, a lobster, just bits of like asparagus, <laughs> spaghetti on the table as well. Yeah, there was but, there was a uh, oh. Artichoke, there's like boiled artichokes. <laughs> artichokes. But also like the um, lobsters were such an unnatural colour. They were like really horrible. They yeah, were like uh, a cartoon of lobsters. She points out later she's a, she says later she's a vegetarian. Unless she's just like, ah, they're barely alive. <laughs> she, says, she says later she's a vegetarian at some point. I, I can't remember what might. one she says she's a vegetarian. Possibly. Is that maybe the, is it not the daughter that's a vegetarian, maybe? I'm convinced that the because you know the way the daughter they're like you know she's edgy because she's got a nose ring and a bit of eyeliner and they yeah. act like she's Marilyn Manson like it's incredible <laughs> like oh my god you don't know who you are from week to week you're like yeah she's 15 that's what's supposed to happen she's trying to figure it out her dad's just came under as well well no it's later but you know <laughs> her dad's been leaning over weirdly in her bedroom she doesn't even sleep with a duvet on. You know, but he goes into bitter. Who goes to? Who, who, she's 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 off the rails. 
It's a horrible duvet as well because it's got like a a floral pattern on one side and then leopard print on the other. You're like, what is it? Is this so you can change the theme at a brothel? Like, why does it look like that? Like, what? (laughs) Why have you got two vastly contrasting sides? That was like a a reference to the face off. You know, she was like, (laughs) I I can be anyone. I can be sort of punk rock girl or I can be, you know, hippie girl, you know, just the switch of a duvet. They were going to, they were going to, do a, a sequel, just duvet off. <laughs> uh, um, horrible duvet, that absolutely horrible. Um, but I'd, yeah, that was it. I'd, I'd said to my girlfriend, I was like, you know, let's say this scenario happened. Uh, fake me comes in, you know, and me and my wife, we've been together for like eight years. We sort of, we, we know each other, I think, quite well. And I, I sort of said to her, like, if let's say you know we were sort of you know in the act of getting down to the nitty gritty of the bedroom business, can you tell I'm white, dear listener? Um, and I was, I'm like, would you know that like the the hog in question wasn't mine? Um, and she's like, yeah, like I'd, I'd, yeah, she's like, I'd know that wasn't your your penis. I was like, would you you, you just sort of like stop and like. Did you? Are you bigger? Like, um, so you think? Do, do you think Cage definitely has a bigger one than Travolta? Why do you think I call him the Golden Hog? Ah, yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, actually, given that you referred to your own penis as a hog now, that 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 uh, nickname is much more upsetting. <laughs> it's just like face off. There's so many layers. So many layers. <laughs> Golden Hog of Hollywood, twenty-four carat dick, baby. Um, but I, I, yeah, I just, I just think it would be, it would be a giveaway. But I think this is, you know, this is how you know Castor Troy's played the blinder there because he's played, he's played the emotional cards. I suppose if you if you come home though, like for six years, your husband's like, all I care about is the work, all I care about is the case, and then there's two hundred candles in your house. And an unnaturally red lobster and boiled artichokes. I'd be fanning myself down a little bit as well. I think. Also, unnaturally red lobster is how she would describe his new penis. <laughs> <laughs> Pinch me, I'm dreaming. <laughs> um, um, and then, I think with with the sort of John Woo scenes as well. There's um, sort of a glorious sort of shootout a little later down the line where it's in uh, the the Castor Troy apartment. And this is when we, you know you get the great like, oh, will he say the line of the movie? And like, I'm going to take his face off. Um, and then there's just that poor, you know, we brought him up earlier, the soon to be adopted boy who we as the audience find out. I think Castor Troy um, has a son. Um, and then just like bullets are raining down, like the SWAT team and the FBI are coming in through the ceiling, and he's just sort of there with these sort of noise-canceling headphones as somewhere over the rainbow plays. Um, you know, arguably one of Hollywood's most traumatized boys. Um, yeah, I would. I would also be concerned. I'd be concerned for two reasons. One, he's very traumatized, and two, the whole nature versus nurture debate. You know what I mean? Is he going to be like Damien? You know, he's like. And you're not winning him over by touching his face as soon as you meet him. Do you know what I mean? So 
He could go evil. He could go feral and turn on his new family. Maybe that's what the sequel's going to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Just like him, but it's it's basically the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He's just running around with loads of faces, just like... Um, <laughs> on Can I just also I mean, point out that um, the guy whose house where this big shootout happens looks like Richard O'Brien from The Crystal Maze? <laughs> I mean, he's just bald, but also his house looks like the industrial <laughs> zone, you know? Yeah. So is that, yeah, is his is he with the woman who had the baby? Had no, the, that's his sister. Oh wow, they really kiss as well. Yeah, yeah. Not the incest. Really like. Yeah, they really. They had a vibe. Yeah. Yeah, incest is a real underrunning theme in yeah. a <laughs> in this movie. So they they got the shoot and obviously like oh you you've you've got to um. You've got to like get out of here, sort of save the kid, and like just, just tongue each other. Um, like I read somewhere that like uh, John Woo tends to give his actors a lot of leeway with improvisation, and apparently this was, I think it's Nick Cassavetes is the actor. Um, it was their own idea to add, and I quote, extra weirdness to their relationship, and um, with that unlong, uncomfortably long incestuously implicatory kiss. So, I don't know. It made the cut. That's what I'm saying. Do you know, there's a lot of things in that scene that are confusing about Sasha because also that's where... So, you know, the moral thrust of this film, essentially, is the cops are good and the terrorists are bad, right? Because the cops are... Although they're trying to impede Sean, they don't know he's Sean. But, like... yeah. There's in that scene, like Sasha mows down a load of cops in cold blood, but we're meant to go, oh, but it's awful sad how she's getting on. You know, we're meant to have have sympathy for, her, even though we're meant to think the cops are the good guy. You know, it's very confusing morally. Um, yeah, you are rooting for, her, aren't you? You know, yeah, but also you're rooting for Sean, who is opposed to everything she stands for. Yeah, but that that's the strange thing where he starts to sort of like some of the people does he is there a bit where you sort of think he's looking around going this is all right actually these these guys know how to party before the <laughs> fbi crashed through the window you know but there is a wee bit where he's on the sofa and i'm like he's gone well he's on drugs he's isn't he don't they give him some sort of drugs that like oh, right, have yeah. have no it's not clear what they are because the symptoms are all over the place you know i goes into yeah. that room and immediately gets on a bed and back <laughs> like back rolls off it you know, I don't know what drug that is, but yeah, some sort of toddler, toddler. Cowpole, I assume. <laughs> yeah, it's just like pure, unfiltered nineties cowpole, the good mm. stuff. <laughs> I will tell you, like, see things like night nurse and all to blow the head off you. So maybe it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. Rappers take that, don't they? There's some rappers that rap about sipping. Are you just thinking of the song yeah. Night Nurse? <laughs> Oh yeah, you said that to sort of be rap. That edgy rap song, Night Nurse. It's <laughs> like a reggae song, or no? Is it Bob Marley? Did he write the jingle for Night Nurse? <laughs> I think when he wrote Bob, the song first, and then they asked him, "Could we use that for a Bob Marley song?" That went. to the uh, to Big Farmer. But yeah, that that the boy, the boys uh, like that was a big plot thing as well. The boys' adoption was was swift. You know, like just like 
as if you know they're like, well, he's the son of a terrorist and his mom's dead. Just take him. You know, he's totally just <laughs> up for grabs. This boy's off the grid. This is a free boy. <laughs> yeah, because also here's another thing that they should consider, right? I'm not saying he would do this, but if I was like, right, okay, so T- Caster Troy killed this man's son, and now he wants to adopt Caster Troy's son. Yeah. Maybe he's adopting that child to kill him. Like you wouldn't know, you know. Like, well, no, I, th- I think probably, probably in the pages of adoption, we're like, you're not allowed to go on a carousel with this child ever. <laughs> like, at least not one that's near a grassy knoll. Yeah. <laughs> so no go to the knoll, people. I mean, I suppose there's, I suppose there's supposed to be an implication that, um, maybe it's just like the the drugs is on it at the time, but. Caster Troy's son is supposed to remind Sean Archer of his own boy. Yeah. Because he, I think he, he strokes his face as well. He does. Yeah. yeah. Before the kid even knows who he is. Well, when he's when he's holding him as Caster, he's calling him Michael or something, isn't he? He's like yeah. hugging the boy. And then the mom's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you <wee> freaks. <laughs> You're squeezing my son, call him a different name. <laughs> like, You've been inside awful. too long. It's yeah, and then it's it's just a whole weird thing. I don't, I still don't really understand the whole face stroking thing. Yeah, I'd love, I mean, I'd love to sort of find out what it all, what it all means. Um, you know, I I sort of pitched my um, my girlfriend for a while. I was like, how would you feel if like, you know, I come home, you come home, or whatever, and I don't even say hi to you. Like, hey, how's your day been? I just stroke your face from the top to the bottom. I was like, "Would you, do you think we can make that work? Is that a thing you'd be into?" And she says, "No, I don't think I'd be with you that long if if this is the kind yeah. of angle that you're taking." There's there's a scene where Caster as Sean goes into the house and as Eve has fallen asleep in bed hmm. and she hasn't heard him come in and he wakes her up by touching her face. And you're like, "That's terrifying! Like you're in a deep sleep." <laughs> And somebody grabs your face. You think you're gonna be smothered? <laughs> Horrible. But that that scene when the wee boy that actually was my biggest laugh of the whole film was whenever the daughter leans down to the wee boy and strokes his face, and then he like he looks a bit anxious because obviously he's just come home with some random guy, uh, and he's just starting a life in a new family, and he looks a bit nervous. Then he says, "Is his name Andy or something?" Or he says Adam. his name, Adam. But he's got a mm. really old voice. <laughs> like she strokes <laughs> his face and goes, "I'm I'm Jamie or whatever it is." He's I'm Jamie, and he goes, "I'm Adam." <laughs> it's like he's got like I'm Adam. <laughs> hey, Ma, and then you're like, I'm actually, Adam. you would, yeah. He's 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 been aged by all the violence he's seen. <laughs> I'm Adam. You won't, you won't believe what I've seen, kid. <laughs> And then she's like, "Well, welcome to the family." This guy almost sexually assaulted me, but it wasn't wasn't him. <laughs> come up, come up to my room. I've got some smokes. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Do you notice as well? She got off. rid of her nose piercing, so we know she's not a freak anymore. You know, they're so like on the nose. Yeah. You, you can have a nose piercing and be nice. I know. I'm, I know. I'm saying controversial Sean things did... here, guys, but like you can. <laughs> and Sean didn't need his uh, his bullet wound. Um, oh, that was funny, Tar. That, that doesn't work. What's, what's I was that like, mean? 
I was like, I was like, what did he learn? He, he, they said that as if there was a big revelation. He went, hey, you know that bullet wound scar? I'm not going to need it anymore. Like that, I'm not going to need it anymore. Is said in films where someone's had a journey and they've learned something. He's just learned there's just chaos everywhere. Life is chaos. <laughs> I mean, I think what I enjoy about, like, just that whole bit, like, it's obviously it's meant to be, like, this nice ending, the family's back together, they can all move on. But you would kind of think, though, right, if you've been um, so deep into this case, and obviously you can't exactly come out the same, like, whether or not it's resolved. But if, like, you just turn up one day, you know, whatever, like, your, your partner, dad, turns up one day, it's like, hey guys, I'm back. Also, here's our new son. Let's go yeah. have some red lobster. But what, did you did you not think you might discuss the boy? Yeah. Well, yeah. Because also, a, like, why did his wife not visit him in the hospital? Like, she hasn't seen his face I, until he comes home. home. <laughs> why? Let the woman. The woman suffered. Imagine, like, you have been traumatized by everything that's happened to you, and they're like, but also, you can't see your husband until he's out of the hospital. Tough shit, love. Yeah. You know, that's terrible. <laughs> and she just nods, like, okay, to the boy. She's like, let's do it. Let's have it. You know. <laughs> oh. Do you like boiled artichokes, young man? <laughs> also, you know, it is, a, it is, it is, not to bring the room down, but it's a common thing amongst like, Kids where you know, there's there's been a previous death of a child in the family where they feel like oh they just have me to replace that child like that's literally what's yeah. happened they've picked him on the basis he looks a lot like their their son as well I know he, he has the, he has pretty much the same haircut you know he's got that haircut yeah, that the kid in liar liar has like the nineties kid yes haircut. I was thinking that yeah the nineties <laughs> uh, we bowl cut like yeah 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 the bowl used to mean something. He used to be somebody when he had the ball. When he had the, yeah, it was a sign of um, your your nice rough background. You were like, my mom just set a ball on my head and cuts around it. Can I um? Can I talk about the 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 funeral? Um, sure. Which obviously happens after the FBI director dies suspiciously quickly of a heart attack. Like he dies in seconds. Yeah. And you're like, don't tell him, don't tell him you're Castro Troy in case he survives. Like, it's a heart attack. He might hang in there. But um, it's not a great turnout at the funeral. Like, there are more doves than people at an FBI. There's like 200 people in the of office. Doves. We saw them, but none of them are there. That's because they're all working. They can't get a break. Here, <laughs> speaking of which, did you notice that, that one of the women that works for Sean is Margaret Cho? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm really? no Margaret Cho, but is I do a, pre- a pretty mean Columbo impression, you know? Is she... <laughs> is she I, I, was she, like, on her way to being a, like, a, you know, big actress back then or something? Or Well, that, that was a big part, but, you know. Or... Well, was, was, was she just... the one that had that line that was like, um, hey, boss, did you have a procedure recently? Oh, yeah. Someone removed the stick from your ass? And you're like, you would yeah. not. Do you know what? You don't deserve a break because, like, I'm on your side here, but you're making it difficult. You can't just verbally abuse people. That was a really risky. Yeah, to your boss in any state, you know, you're like everyone else in the room's like he's in a happy mood, and you're bloody going to revert us back to no lunches. <laughs> I've brought I've brought something I need to heat up today. 
you know? <laughs> all that workforce they're just eating couscous all the time whereas then they're like he's happy now I can heat up last night's dinner <laughs> everyone's still trying to enjoy the, the CIA champagne and then you're the um the wild card in the office who wants to make the first risque comment to the boss so he was either going to go like like oh ha 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 you're great or he would have been like like Hey, Wanda, you're on desk duty for the next hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Actually, that's another thing I was thinking is why was to this is this is going really far out on the a film, like really far back. But why was Sean when he transformed into um, uh, Carter? Why did why was he uh, why was he surprised by anything? That, that was happening, like the prison and things like that? Why were the boots a surprise? You know, would they not have gone, by the way, this prison's pretty fucking weird? <laughs> you know, why why, why wasn't he... So he'd, he'd basically gone, I'll have this really dangerous procedure for my work, but also don't worry about prepping me about anything to do after this either. Either but, like, No, Sean has think, very bad that... advanced planning because, like, at the, st- at, yeah. the, at the funeral, he goes... He gives. He basically tells Castor he's there so they can have a standoff while yeah. Castor's sitting beside yeah. Sean's wife, and you're like, "Well, obviously he's going to kidnap her. Like, obviously, yeah, because he knows you're coming now, you moron." Like, <laughs> everyone in this film is a fucking moron. Oh, dr- dreadful. But also, would they like? I know they were like, "We'll have to keep this really secret," but. Oh no! Yeah, well, I was gonna say you think they would have told someone in the prison. Yeah, guy, don't don't kill him or anything like that. You know, just and they're going wide. Just go look. Just, just don't you know, go a bit easy on him. Turn his <laughs> turn his boots off every now and again. Let him, let him stretch his legs. <laughs> so many like the, there's so many you. small things in the film. You're like that could be a film in itself. Big metal. Like not a not a great film, but like a prison where everyone has metal boots. That they they could do they could do a prequel where it's the origin of the face touch. <laughs> Just like why is it a weird secret society freak thing? Like what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> They're really like ASMR or something. They're like you know those those videos where they're stroking me. Gonna stroke your face for the next hundred years. I, mean, I, I think they didn't spend a lot of time in sort of the prison at all. I read that the boots that they used were apparently the same boots they had in the nineteen ninety three Super Mario movie film. Um. <clears throat> so you know, right? Waste okay. On the boots. Now we've got a pitch, right? Face off, but it's Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo, <laughs> right? Now think about that. <laughs> or you could do Bob Hoskins and Dennis Hopper either if you want. Like, but I, I think it's more fun yeah. to have a young one and an old Bob one. Hoskins, Danny DeVito. So you got Hoskins ha- having to act like he's thirty, but he's like sixty. That'd be great. God, and I mean, look, we're, we're talking about the rotating cast of people. Uh, you can cut this out, obviously, but um, if if you're a six-year-old pretending a thir- playing a thirty-year-old, you might have very similar penises, but you're gonna have very different balls. Like, it's just. Inevitable when you're 60. You know what I mean? They're going to be... They'll be, like, they'll be like, oh my God, Sean, your balls were never that low to the ground. Very different abilities in bed. They'll be like, only he not do anymore. It's like, I've got high blood pressure. 
<laughs> By the way, we never actually check. Can you swear or be blue on this? But let's hope you can. A little bit. Oh, blue. oh absolutely. Oh, that's We're about right. an hour twenty. But I, I should have told you at the stop. Yeah, absolutely fine. <laughs> that's all right. <clears throat> I, I, I don't have to feel guilty about my balls comment then. Not my balls, Bob Bob Hoskins' balls. <laughs> it all makes the edit here, baby. Um, I think that would have been an interesting take, though, if one of the guys was just 60, but they couldn't swap faces back because the man <laughs> died of a heart attack-based cunnilingus event. <laughs> Draft like no, an old you know what? This is why you need to do like an 80-year-old and like a 12-year-old, right? And make it like, how do they, how do they play each other? And then, Jimmy, is that not because the amount that of not el- Friday? Because of the amount of elasticity in, has all been gone in the 80-year-old's face. They can't swap it back. Like, it's just, there's too much. It's like, it's the kid's walking around with a face hanging on his waist. <laughs> The BuzzFeed article, has science gone too far? You won't believe what happened next. <laughs> I want to read that article so bad. Oh, that'd be great. Well, I'm just saying, if, they're, if they don't have a good idea for the sequel, you can have that. I'm going to give you that, John Wu. I don't think he's involved, but whoever, <laughs> you can have that. All right, you can have that. That's yours. <laughs> John Wu, if you're listening, uh, 30 years after the fact, um, or Adam McKay, even with, it, with with the sequel coming. Yeah, up. yeah, you know, and there's point of like there, there's still old people and young people about. Like the world's not that weird yet, so it's not like Logan's Run. So they could find and actually they could do somebody like De Niro, and then like one of the kids from like Modern Family or something. Do you know what I mean? Like really shake it up. <laughs> we have options, is what I'm saying. There are still enough old actors left that we uh, that we have options to go really fucking wild in Hollywood before they clamp down. Before before Marvel is just the uh, the the pyramid of everything that we aspire to. Oh god. Oh god, the balls they're so low. <laughs> the, the balls are so low. Do you know what? It would work better with Joe Pesci because you've got the height. The height differential isn't as large. You need a short 80-year-old man. So Joe Pesci Just playing a child, a child and a child yeah. playing Joe Pesci. You tell me that's not the greatest film you've ever seen. <laughs> well, you could do a face-off Home Alone swap almost. You know, like a oh, yeah, Macaulay Culkin. Well, I mean, he's not a wee boy anymore. Well, suppose he'd just go into the house. He'd just go into the house and take all the stuff. He'd just be like, well... I'm the little boy now, and I'm in the house. I'll just pass all the stuff out to my friends. <laughs> Actually, I'll stay in the house long term, and I'll just keep funneling money out. It'll be, it'll be great. God, the and then Macaulay Culkin the just has to go in a van friends. with his friend for years. <laughs> this, this is what could have been achieved if that, uh, if the film Big had some real stones. Oh, yeah. tell you. I mean, there's bits of that are quite dark. Around, yeah, I was going to say, it's got around some complicated questions of ethics. And, you know, did he sleep? No, he didn't sleep with anyone, did he? But he no, I think he, he did, yeah. yeah. Did he sleep with someone in the end, yeah? Yeah, Elizabeth Perkins. Or, Sorry, Daryl, Nick Cage wasn't in that film. I don't know why we're talking about it so much. 
I don't know the films that don't contain this man. My knowledge isn't that wide. Mm. I thought he played Nick Cage, Nicholas Cage was playing the man in the in the box at the fairground. You know the the um, fortune teller speaker. guy. Yeah, the fortune teller. Yeah, I thought that was Nicholas Cage. No, <laughs> you're about to be big. <laughs> oh my god! What <laughs> talking about? Talking about the films he could have been casted in. Just Nicholas Cage. I suppose that's the best. I suppose that's the best for around ethics-wise for a film to be that someone becomes bigger. <laughs> someone becomes bigger and sleeps with an adult without telling them wrong. The Jesus Christ, Gordon! <laughs> someone who's forty going, I want to be six. <laughs> and then they're like, "Hold on, this isn't working." Should have been ten when it's just about Ronan. Stop, <laughs> Daryl. You don't know this, right? But whenever oh. Ronan and I we used to do gigs, uh, used to do gigs. We still do gigs, but I would give him a lift home. And what would happen is we'd talk after the gig for quite a while until he would say something that upset me so much that I made him get out of the car. And it would happen every <laughs> week. An, um... And I feel like we've hit that moment in the. That was, that was the thing there. <laughs> Irrespective of how close you were to home, you'd stop the car. Just stop the car. Get out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Basically, usually it was at my eye, so it was very convenient for me, but, you know, upsetting for our friendship long term. (laughs) Oh, look, what doesn't kill you? I mean, the the way it's going, like, it's almost like a Ronan Allen face swap here, a face off. What, what, What chaos would ensue there? Yeah. Well, people, people would notice that. Ronan was on time to things a lot more and that Alan was a lot mm. later to things. So you, are you implying that you, you yeah, you you're you're you change your you'd bring the character traits of yourself to me? Well if I well because yeah, I'm just you wearing yeah. I'm just me wearing your yeah. face. So you'd be like yeah, you'd you'd be like a better a better improve Ronan. Although I couldn't do I your job, like your job involves actual like proper work, not just like typing. Uh, you couldn't play computer games or anything. I can't play computer games in my job, but I'd be very rude to people if I was sitting there playing Red Dead Redemption while serving people cheese. <laughs> that should be allowed. Actually, yeah, all, all all workers should be allowed to play computer games at all times. Do you know, if Sean had done that, he wouldn't have needed to get the stick out of his ass. <laughs> If you'd have been there like, was, bust, one bust out the Nintendo 64 there, lads. Let's play some GoldenEye, you know. <laughs> There's two things we haven't talked about yet. Um, actually, there's a few things we haven't talked about. I haven't talked about the haircut that they do while in the face-off scene. So that the face-off scene's so high-tech, and then they just start doing a haircut during the <laughs> surgery. And they're like, well, he's got a couple open wounds there. I'm sure this wouldn't be bad to just cut tiny bits of hair i'm sure that won't infect anything or and the haircut was just beautiful because the people doing it were like so high skilled at their job but they were like i have to do a bloody haircut like surely you get a hairdresser in to do that bit um i was gonna ask you to do you know that technology that they had in 90s films imagine a sort of future did that technology ever exist anyway you know that they know like a screen that has green squares on it as it scans someone, do you know, do you know what I mean? You know, that yeah, kind of like yeah. typing on, on it. Was that ever real? Well, I will say that um, 
whenever they're doing the voice anyway, modulation, it when he puts the microchip in, the little screen with the voice yeah. looks a bit like the screen that we're looking at now while we record this. It's just like a little sound wave moving along, yeah. you know? That existed, but like yeah. that the You know that kind of scanning that you'd see in like Alien or, you know, all like Yeah, you know that I'm trying to think of another film, but yeah, like Alien that, that kind of square that scans on something and they like zoom in on it or shape right now like, i imagine that's up there with like brain. the you know the enhanced image thing where they create pixels that aren't there yeah but it's just it looks dated it looks dated and you're like was that like i mean escape from new york has it and everything and you're like the ever like did people see that and go whoa <laughs> hold on there <laughs> i'm still getting used to this uh typewriter you know? <laughs> I imagine I imagine something. I don't know about the zoom thing exactly, but but I think basically this film just foreshadowed three D printing. Yes, yeah, because it's just like an ear in a jar. Because one of the FBI just gets their ear blown off in the shootout at the start. Um, it's it's kind of like then they can just like cover up the scars as well. I think um, like facial reconstructive surgery. I think it wasn't loosely around, but not as good as it is today. Like I think more on the writer said one of his influences for this film is that he's a friend of his got into like a, a bike or like a paragliding accident or something, and they had to do reconstructive surgery on his face. Um, he's like, "Oh, do you mind if I use that for a bit?" Um, and now, and now there's just scene of like Nicholas Cage's face going, and just just popped there, just sort of dangling. Yeah, like I can't imagine that's how the, they they reconstructed on. that guy's face. They didn't just like basically make a a load of cuts around the side, just take whip it off, and away you go. Like I know they just they just drop it on, like as if it's just gonna take like right away. You know, they go just water like like a plant in a sticking a plant in a pot. You know, just make sure you put some water around the edge. It'll just well, it just it look it looks like the it world's out. most upsetting like um most upsetting version of wafer thin ham. You know, kind of like just chug it off. It's like it's like Billy Bear. You know, like that kind oh, of like that would have been a, that horrible, would have been a great like, merch run. Face meat. The the time they should have done that around the time of the film coming out. They should have had like Nicolas Cage and Travolta ham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like at either end, oh. it's got each of their faces, and you cut through it, and it's like it slowly becomes one or the other. Yeah, that's and, and that would call it face meat. Thing. <laughs> a disgusting thing to have you know as a collector's item because you'd be like 30 years later you'd be like I haven't opened it and people are like please don't open that That's kind of... <laughs> that meat um, is now black <laughs> the, the, the other things I was going to ask about what you thought of was well he he was in that room in just a hospital room unsupervised yes I thought order. that he's no uh, guards in no guards, and he sat up in the bed like Kane. Like he sat up, just like <laughs> boom, he was upright, and there was nothing. And he just saw, you know, he looked through some blinds at his at uh, Sean's face, just in a bowl, you know, and the lights were all on, and everything, but no one was there. Just in like know, a like a Gen Pop ward, yeah. Just like, like the, no the one... big hog machine, just like sits up, yeah. So weird. I was just like, "Where is everyone?" And yeah. And then my my final note for the film was just that. Well, the the itchy. Sorry, my favorite one of my favorite moments in the whole film uh, was the itchy face bit. Oh, it's a nice little cheek rub. Yeah, 
Yeah, he just goes, oh, what are you doing? He's rubbing his face on the wall. And then the, the FBI agent just rubs his face. <laughs> it's a very tender moment. And then my, my main my main bit from the whole film that I'm going to know, you know, earlier you were like, how would you describe this film? The best thing about it for me was that Sean said to his wife that he was going to get a desk job. He was going to give up. You know, he said he was close to being out. And then he went, actually, I'm going to get an entirely new face. Like your partner's like, you're doing a lot of overtime. Don't worry, I'll I'll peel it back. And then you come home and your partner's like, you know, like like me working in a cheese shop. My wife's like, you know, running, you're working too many hours in that cheese shop. And then I go, don't worry, I'll 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 go down to four days a week. And then instead, she comes in one day, and I'm an actual wheel of parmesan. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, this isn't what I meant at all. See, that wouldn't, that wouldn't work in my job. My job's so generic and like non-descriptive that like, it'd be like, what would I be a fucking Excel spreadsheet? Like, there's nothing that I can convert into that's like <laughs> tangible, you know. Yeah. Alan's gone into the computer. Also, I'm hardly going to say I'm going to get a desk job because at the minute I essentially have a sofa job. <laughs> yeah, a desk you job is worse. Like- your next stage is like lying down. Like you'd be like, you gonna lie down in bed all day at work. Just regressing through employment, <laughs> becoming the becoming the things we've surrounded ourselves with. What would what would I my direct comparison be? I'd be I'd be a complaint from a John Lewis customer. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'd be. Do you know what's nice about that? It. All three things we had turned into are quite middle class. Yeah, I've become what yeah. I hate. Yeah, I mean, I will say, I suppose, you know, working class people can use Excel as well. You know, there's nothing, there's no law against that yet. But they can't have that, a wheel of that cheese. Means. They can't have a wheel of cheese. Let's buy it with their benefits. <laughs> They're using their spreadsheet to tot up their benefits <laughs> while sitting on their John Lewis sofa, not looking for a job, <laughs> even though they're ironically called working class. Sorry, Amber Rudd. Oh. Amber Rudd, what a related <laughs> reference. Amber Rudd? Oh. No, but Amber Rudd has the best quote about, like Tory quote about working class people in that pre-toxic Tory days when they were awful, but differently awful, where she said people move to the seaside to be closer to drugs and alcohol. They're like, what, what do you think's going on in the middle of the country? <laughs> it's not just all available at seaside towns. <laughs> oh... All I know is that, as per my face swap, I am a class traitor. That's what I've become. <laughs> um, one of the, one of the things I sort of noticed, and I think one of you brought it up, was like the little voice chip that he's got. Oh, <clears throat> when they're just like, um, oh, like just say this line to all like the waveforms and stuff. Then they make they make this whole point of saying like, oh, you've got to be careful because even like a violent sneeze <laughs> could like throw this chip out. Cut to like fifty minutes later when Cage is instigating a prison fucking riot and nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, that's that. They talk about that like that's going to be something, and then nothing comes of it. Like absolutely nothing. Yeah. Not important. Like there needs to be at least all. one scene where uh, Caster as Sean, like his chip dislodges and he has to try and not speak all day because his voice will give it away. You know, but or do a bad impression. Yeah, like something kind of that could have been quite comical in a way, but yeah. Well, there's things in this that are quite comical. Like, yeah, I think what's happened as well is though there's things in it that now are have been parodied. 
So there's things you go like, this is so over the top. It's ludicrous, you know. Mm. But actually, they're playing it straight, mm. which makes it funnier, to be fair. Do you, do you think, having watched a lot of Nick Cage, Daryl, do you think this movie is a straight action movie? Or do you think they knew it was a bit comical? I mean, you you had to know that some parts of this were going to be like funny because they because it's such like I think like the acting in this like you can't say it isn't camp, especially when their body swapped. Like Travolta just off his mind on some kind of like amphetamines and narcotics to get through this role, no doubt in my mind. Um, but I think it's kind of like it is like an action sort of thriller. But it's everyone else is sort of playing it straight, but they're they're on the cusp of being in a different movie. I think with just how ridiculous it is, and you know you sort of bring it back to other pairings not working. Like if you again Schwarzenegger and Stallone, would it have worked with them? Like um, I don't know. I don't know that it would have. No, I, I, I think the, I think the concept. Comical... Sorry, you go ahead. Well, I was just saying, Schwarzenegger's good at comical movies, but usually only if they're just a hundred percent a comical movie. I don't know if he'd be able to juggle the these two. These two literally are the perfect actors this film because they are juggling that line of like this is over the top, but we're not going to just clearly be doing. You're going to actually be wondering. Whereas with Schwarzenegger, he's good in a comedy movie when it's like this just is a silly movie, but I don't think he could handle the dichotomy of is this a comedy? Is this a you know? I yeah, think, I think uh, I think that's probably true of like some of the other, co- you know, even like when you talk about like Douglas and and Ford, you're like Harrison Ford couldn't be hammy like that, you know, it wouldn't work with him. No. But it, it's, I feel like the concept of like a master criminal, master cops, which places could work with all these different dudes, but this specific film couldn't really work with many of the other names that have been suggested. You know, Schwarzenegger and and Stallone could do a film with this concept. But yeah. they couldn't do this film. I, I think, yeah, Stallone, I think, would struggle. He'd be lost in this. See, now, I think Schwarzenegger is... Yeah. is or sorry, I think Stallone is a very good actor. I think he's a... He'd, he'd oh, be you know, but I, I... I just don't think he'd... I, I don't think he'd know what he was doing. I think he'd be lost with, like, how over the top he'd have to be, you know? I just can't see him doing it. Um, I think these two are literally perfect. Like I don't think there's two actors in the history of cinema almost that are as good at being a bit, <clears throat> bit silly sometimes. Yeah, you, you'll know, you know this, Daryl. But, but without embarrassing, without being embarrassing, um, you'll know this, Daryl. Were these two ever in any other films together? I don't believe that they. That's a were. shame. They That's went... a shame. They, <clears throat> there was a movie that they, but they were nearly. I'd have to see if I can find it. It's one of those straight to DVD ones. Um, they were nearly in the movie again, but it ended up being Travolta and De Niro that were in it. Right. Um, the name of it escapes me, but it's one of those that, like you, uh, you wouldn't have. One of those ones your dad might have rented in, in Blockbuster. You know, on a Friday night, he's like, "Oh, the new Seagal movie or whatever." You know, yeah. <laughs> I feel like so. I've heard this is uh, coming up as a big contender in the Blockbuster Awards. Yeah, um, 
bring bringing back a stack of my best stamps. Jew is this movie and a tin of beer. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> oh my be- my best duo and this movie and an inaccessible Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 just not for certain people. Um. I, mean, I suppose the, the 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 only other sort of main scene of this that I wanted to sort of talk about was just like the quite bombastic like boat chase into harpoon fueled <laughs> climax as well. Yeah. Um, does it all? We've got planes, we've got boats, we've got ex- explosions, um, boats using boats as ramps. Yeah. Um. So I, I the the boat pursuing scene um was apparently the uh another mtv movie award to bring it up again best action sequence this one got as well so uh, mtv movie i awards, mean it's it, it, no uh, gold I'll, when they see it i'll give john his his props you know it, it's a very well put together scene and on you and on usually for a lot of those big action set pieces it's very easy to follow what's happening which often it just gets too chaotic. You're like, I don't know what's happening here. It's just too many camera cuts. Yeah. But actually it was slick and incredibly well done. To be fair, John Boy knows how to do an action scene, like, but um mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 like four or five different set pieces if you include the like one on one fight at the end. Um and it just works. Like it's 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 probably the best part of the film. Like obviously there's other bits that we've enjoyed more, but for a different with a different tone than this, what I'm saying, this is, this is a genuinely very good scene that's very well done. It, it it's a it's a lot of fun. Um, they get to the point where they're just carving each other's faces up with like pieces of glass at the end. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, I'm gonna make sure you can, you can every time you look in the mirror, you always think of me. Probably not understanding that the te- literally the technology they use can heal a scar like that. It's like it's like okay, <laughs> cut me up. Like yeah, see, I, I didn't understand that because I thought what they should have done was then the final scene. You know, he's got his face back, but he's maybe got a couple of scars. You know, just like on not yeah. major, but again, much like the voice chip, they kind of used that as like a dangling thread, and then it didn't go anywhere. Like it wasn't used at all. You know, very odd. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, also this yeah. whenever he fired the harpoon gun. I want to know the physics of a harpoon gun that's so powerful that it'll go right through your leg from that distance, but also you can stop it going off with like a thumb. <laughs> Just put a thumb on the rope, it won't move. But as soon as it moves, that's you, you're done. Yeah. Yeah, you you don't know your harpoon guns are than it shows. It's embarrassing, frankly. The only harpoon gun I know is the one in Tomb Raider 2. Um which also featured Uzis like this film. They had all the Tomb Raider 2 weapons. I was on board with that. And it was 1987. It was that feels about right. About the same time. All it was missing was them at some point locking a butler in a freezer. Oh, <laughs> yes. Deleted scenes. <laughs> I'm going to put you in a freezer for the next hundred years. <laughs> um. <laughs> Oh, right where he belongs. So that, I think, like with the end, obviously he get takes that harpoon and then they, you know, swap faces back. Um, there, it's kind of obviously as we've been saying, it's kind of like a weird ending. Uh, apparently, the studio didn't like the ending initially of like the hero adopting the enemy's son, um, and 
John Woo wanted something a bit more ambiguous. So it would have been one of those like um, always cast a Troy still in Sean Archer's body, one of those sort of, you know, ominous looks to the camera kind of thing. Like, oh, what, what's what's going on here? But um, many testing audiences didn't like the ambiguous ending well, either. So it doesn't really make sense. Ending. Like they never, imp- there's a couple of times where like Sean's going a bit mad because he's so frustrated. But they never imply that, like, when you swap the face, the personality switched as well. So that would have been a very strange ending, yeah. like, out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, like he's been, I don't know, become in body as well as spirit the man he hates. You know, try to come back from war a different man. Same hog, different man. <laughs> Should have had him, like, like nothing, you know, has changed about him. Then him and his wife went to church and they were singing hallelujah and he just started headbanging. <laughs> and then he went, I don't know what's come over me. And I think it would have been... his face comes loose. <laughs> his face just peels off at the side. <laughs> and then everyone goes, who's ready for pizza? <laughs> I th- I think it would have been a more bold ending if um, Sean Archer just came back with the same haircut as the boy. <laughs> I, I, I'm choosing to believe as well, when you say who's ready for pizza, that um, he then, because he's a terrible, terrible boss, he was like, that he went into work, he's like, we're going to have a pizza party in lieu of a pay rise. You know, he's like, no, no, we'll, just, <laughs> we'll get you pizza once a month. I'm a new guy. I've got the sticker to my ass. I don't know you said that, so don't repeat it in front of me. But um, you know, I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you a pepperoni. No bother. It's the nineties. You'll love a pepperoni. Oh yeah, they had loads of stuff to clear up with a lot of people. Then didn't they? They would have had to go and tell a lot of people. By the way, he was acting a bit funny and stuff. That wasn't him. You know, actually, most of his people were dead, weren't they? They're all killed. Most of the people in his workplace. Apart from the little boy the who's going to grow up traumatized. Yeah. No, they killed, they killed the one who's, that didn't That little yet. boy has seen his new dad kill his old dad. Yeah. Or will he like, try to kill him, come in with guns and like and shoot I, his mom? He's seen his... And he's also seen his mom <laughs> get off with her brother. Yeah. Because, yeah. He hasn't a chance. Uh, years. Years. <laughs> Uh, that little boy died shortly after. Um, <laughs> and that little boy grew up to be Steve Jobs. <laughs> That's what people say that, yeah. This is, yeah, this is oh, the Elon Musk origin story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's keep the boy away from harpoon guns for a long time. Yeah, 101 million percent. You can't even take him fishing. Like, nothing aquatic. <laughs> Anything aquatic... Somewhere over the rainbow, bowl haircuts, loud noises like a a, a a dog on bonfire night, just triggers everywhere. <laughs> it's like, get him! He's going for the harpoon. <laughs> oh god! Nightmarish, nightmarish. Um. So I mean, certainly on the on the imagery of a boy taking his own life. Um, it's probably time to start wrapping up uh, on this episode. I mean, first of all, I put it that there is a um, 
obviously this is like a two plus hour film. Is there any other sort of scenes in this that you want to sort of touch on or anything else that you're like, this this cannot go unchallenged? Yeah, I feel like uh no point did we mention his brother's weird uh porn graphics. He's like, imagine there's nothing as horny as pixels <laughs> of a of a woman's boobs. Nineteen ninety seven, mate. They yeah. they they were way ahead of all the stuff that's popular now with hentai and stuff. I, I will also say I, uh, I well two things. First of all, great character actor with John Carroll Lynch as uh, the prison guard and CCH Pounder as like his like Sean's like handler. Although I, I have to say I don't you know Caster's a bad guy, but I don't think he should be putting cigarettes out on him just because he's in a coma. Do you know what I mean? I think that's a bit oh, weird. Yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah, you know. <laughs> called him a. Ter- called him also. A ter- um, there's a bit where he like Sean's like just give me ten minutes alone with him. I like torture him, and you're like, nope. Pre nine eleven, once the Patriot Act passes, mate, though you're in there. Do you know what I mean? Just hopefully, hopefully the bomb won't go off for another four years. Yeah. <laughs> something. Like oh yeah, well there's actually something. The time limit on that bomb. What was that? Six days. Eleven days. Oh, six days was it? Yeah, six days. Terrible. Like. <laughs> Okay. Was there, oh yeah, they didn't go, oh, the Supreme Court judges are going to be here in six days, which is probably why, but yeah, they just went six days. Sure, that'll do. One yeah, like, if, I, if I'm planting a bomb, I either blow it up immediately or set it, like, immediately before. You know, the Supreme Court justices are coming yeah. on Tuesday morning. Well, like, Monday night, I'm in there. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not leaving it. I'm not doing it on the Wednesday before. That's chaos. And then get up. The place will be crawling with cops. You know, they're like, no one's checking this place thoroughly. So the only way I'll be able to get in, if only they would come up with some sort of technology that he could effectively disguise himself as a cop, then he could put the bomb in no problem. Whereas he disguised himself as a priest, and they went, what the hell's that priest doing in that private area? Like, <laughs> Don't talk to him, he'll touch your buttocks. It's, it, again, it, like I think you said, it's just a hitman game. Like You're just at, like, just at a Greek wedding, and a man in a full clown outfit is just sat down <laughs> <laughs> in the bench just like did you did you invite bozo the clown like no like, why is he reaching for a metal briefcase yeah it's, it's like, like it's, no it's like somebody said, did you see anything unusual you wouldn't say oh i saw a terrorist but you'd go well there was this priest that was headbanging and he grabbed my arse <laughs> i just didn't think it was worth mentioning at the time yeah just i i just thought uh, it's the 90s i'll just have to get over it but like you know, now I am like, oh, that was startlingly relevant to the whole thing. Please, do, please make brother? sure Clarence Thomas doesn't come here. What about the brother? Um, <laughs> we didn't talk about him. What about the brother's portrayal of what did he did he was he schizophrenic or paranoid? You know, like the the portrayal of like mental health was a bit. It unusual. was strange. Like I like, I think they implied at points he was schizophrenic, but also at points implied he was autistic, and like. Hmm. Also, they he's called what is the bloody? Off. He's called um, uh, Pollux. Parallax. Pollux, because Pollux and Castor <laughs> are like brothers in Greek mythology or something. Like yes, yeah. Well, yeah. I suppose there was. There probably you know there were elements this where like face off. I'm sure there's. Yeah. Well, probably parallels or something. I did. I didn't make the connection here myself, but I looked at uh, TV tropes, and they said that you know Troy, he is. He gets into a, a situation by pretending to be something else. Mm. So Troy, like the ho- like yeah. the horse, isn't 
the Trojan he horse. That's horse. what I'm thinking of. The, the horse yeah, of yeah. Troy. You know, that's no way to talk about Helen. He is. <laughs> oh, he said yeah, she was I'd very think. beautiful, but yeah, you probably go back then. She's just, just all right. Yeah, I thought. Uh, I, I think there was some sort of Greek mythological um, relevance to like the, the uh, Castor and Pollux yeah. names, um, but I'm I'm not prepared enough to have looked into any of that because oh, there's another one that um, Sean is the archer, and um, they're oh, yeah. the twins, which is like in I don't know anything about astrology, but like they're like opposed in astrology. Like they're not a good match, those two star signs. Castor, so what Virgo Castor and, and or Archer and the twin, the twins is Virgo. I can't remember who the Archer is, but Eris. Maybe I don't know. Look at look at look at me now, just reaching. <laughs> all I all I know from TikTok is that as a Virgo, I'm a walking red flag, so I've got no grounds to say anything. Oh, I'm a Virgo too. Signs. Represent, represent. Oh, it's a couple of pieces of shit. Who'd have thought? Yeah. Not me. What What are you, Ronan? <laughs> I'm an Aquarius. Ooh. Oh, here, keep Adam away from you. Aqua? He'll go mental. Are <laughs> <laughs> taking that harpoon? <laughs> to the chest? The harpoon of life is coming for us all. Um, I think... The only other thing I sort of noted actually was when um, Archer as Troy sort of goes to his wife in the hospital and then has to convince her to take hmm. blood and she just like jabs him with a needle, like a thick needle that doesn't wake him up. Is like, this is probably a thing that married couples do, I guess. <laughs> and just rolls over back to sleep just to prove That's that he thing. is who he says he is. But also um, his, uh, when he, when then... Caster goes to like confront her in the hospital and she's like what are you doing here and the the good excuse he comes up with is I'm just so jealous <laughs> are you seeing another guy well yeah but he he's got a bleeding eye what did that guy have she pulled he pulled back the curtain. oh he like burns on his face I mean, he was all mutilated oh burns yeah. yeah and she was like if only there was some operation to heal that bit of your face but the technology doesn't exist yet little <laughs> do you know if only a splinter cell of like uh, the police force had some kind of technology that could improve the lives of thousands and thousands of people. Oh yeah, uh, well there's another thing. The scientist was brilliant. I thought he was so blasé. I think at one point they went, they asked him a question, and he just went sure. <laughs> like he was this forefronted, like I said, this new technology, and then he's just like, yeah, sure, like we can do that, sure. You know, like everything was just so casual. Like, it was like, he'd been doing this for about 40 years. Yeah, we've been replacing people's faces forever. Your dad wasn't even your real dad or something. It's just like, no one knows who anyone is anymore. <laughs> just a paranoid society. Having no idea who they are, who anyone is. Um, I think that, the only other thing I saw on IMDb, and I always take these with like a grain of salt, because like anyone can sort of edit these. Um, but one little tidbit on IMDb said... Um, the crew shot on Nicolas Cage's birthday. John Woo let Cage get emotionally charged up for a scene, then surprised him with a birthday cake. 
Cage asked Wu to not do that again. <laughs> well, he won't. He's like, it's a four-month shoot. We're not going to be here at your next birthday. Do not worry about it. There is no danger yeah. of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to build myself up for the scene by finding out that I am fucking my own wife and you present me with a sponge. <laughs> you fucking reprobate woo. Um, but again, certainly with that, so like I said, it's, I think as I said at the top, like movies like this, again, I'm very, very intrigued to see what they do with the sequel, where it's going to go, if Cage and or Travolta are going to be involved in some way, shape or form, um, but like I said, they, I just don't think that I, I sound, I'm 31. I sound like such a boomer saying this, but they just don't make movies like this anymore. No, um, no, they don't. This would be a franchise. You know, they'd be doing 10 of these. Um, this is like, you know, it's not adapted from anything. It's not a sequel. Um, it's not like, I think it costs like 50 million, which obviously is not nothing, but it's not like an insane amount of money where you're like, I cannot understand where that yeah. went. You know, yeah, eighty million uh, made, two hundred forty-five mil back. To be fair to them as well, it do, you know you can see the money on the screen. Nothing looks cheap. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. well maybe not. Oh, yeah. Do you disagree? It's a block. No, well, I, I, no. Actually, I suppose the action scenes are like, wow, they're pretty. They're the action scenes actually look as good as say Fast and the Furious or something. You know, like things. Well, they've got that thing of like. Later. You know, they've got the die hard thing where it's like because so much of it is probably practical effects, it, it has aged quite well. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's not Phantom oh, Menace. There's a, couple of, there's a couple of YouTube videos of people just showing the scenes where the stuntmen are just the laziest stuntmen ever. Like it's just two guys that look nothing like either. <laughs> and they're like 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 one of the guys that's playing Nicholas Cage has thick black hair. You know, <laughs> just like whatever. <laughs> Who's 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 around? Who's off today? Who can who can work? <laughs> That's where Ronan drew the line. Yeah. <laughs> Stuntmen trying well, to this make a living. Just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's a a ridiculous film with a ridiculous concept. Um, that I, I don't know if, by, for all intents and purposes, I still think like shouldn't really work and could easily implode under its own ridiculousness at any given time but it it's some it somehow does work um i i went to like last year a nicholas cage movie marathon at the prince charles in london and this was like the third film out of five <clears throat> and it started at 9 p.m went till 7 a.m so we were watching face off at like one in the morning and they were just like a row of people behind us so had just been like drinking throughout the whole thing. And then like halfway through face off. And as we said at the start, like it's a difficult film to describe to people who haven't seen it, but halfway through, she just stood up and went, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> which, which I, I think about all the time and I kind of she like the fact that you can't. the daughter. <laughs> what planet am I on? The daughter, Jamie, when she's hugging her mom, she's like, what are you Planet of my own anymore. <laughs> Face off the film that makes you ask, "What planet are we fucking on anymore?" Um, what, what were the other four, Darren? So it started with The Rock, then Conair, 
then Face Off. Then it was the mystery movie, which for this screening was Drive Angry. Um, and then it ended with uh, Mandy, which is a very difficult film to watch at five o'clock in the morning when you've watched four Nicolas Cage films before it. And as I was at that point, running on about no sleep, and I'd been awake about 25 hours. Um, so the following day was tricky. That was a difficult, one of my more difficult megabuses. <laughs> I'll be completely honest, and I've not not quite been the same since. But <laughs> what an experience. Thoroughly recommend. Um, but with, you know, that unifying notion said, um, for both of yourselves, um, and uh, Alan, we'll start with yourself. What were your your, your final, your Jeremy Springer-esque final thoughts? What ridiculous OTT fun. A film that is both shit and good. Um, and that's how I feel about <laughs> it. There are elements of this that are terrible and have, like, you know, the, the pedophilic elements, even in a meta sense, are terrible. Like, not even just, oh, that's awful in the story. It's kind of awful that they put that in there. Um, but it is... And it's weird to then move on to this point immediately after talking about that, but it is a fun film in a lot of ways, you know, and it, it's very obvious people making it are having a whale of a time, um, which is always enjoyable. So, yes, I think this is very much a, um, oh, we're a little bit drunk. Let's watch something that's kind of mindless. This is the thing to watch, yeah. you know, um, but I, 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 with no disrespect to the blockbuster awards. I don't know if it'd be much of an award-winning film for me, but I did, you know, it It was a fun couple of hours. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, your your blockbuster slander is noted. I will be noting that down. Um, uh, uh, Ronan, obviously, same, same for yourself. Final thoughts on Face Off? Well, very short, just that I want everyone to have watched it once. You know, that's what I felt like when I was watching this. It's like, everyone should watch this film once. Just, you know... Can't think of anyone. There's very few films where I'm like, oh, I'd, I'd tell people to watch that. Not like, oh, you gotta watch this classic because that's kind of boring. Whenever someone says, oh, you gotta watch the Irishman, then you go and watch it. Like, hard by the weight of people's reviews and saying it's a classic already. But I'd just be like, this is great. It's and I, and like Alan says, it's shit and great. But I wouldn't say to people, oh, it's shit because it's not shit in the way that like, what do you call it, the room or something? You know, like something actually bad is shit. But I would. I just thought that I was like, I texted my wife uh, while I was watching it, and went, "We have to watch this in a couple of weeks because I, I like it's on ITVX or something." And I was like, "We have to watch this at some point together because I, I will watch that again in a week happily." Final Absolutely. thought is, yeah, every, everyone should watch it once at least. <laughs> everyone should watch it at least once a week. Um, we'll pair it with Con Air as well. Have a little cage weekend which would be delightful. Um, actually, with that said, it's sort of left for me to say, um, Alan Irwin, Ronan Linsky, thank you so, so very much for taking the time to, uh, you know, shoot the shit with this one as well. We've uh, swapped faces with a good film, a bad film has swapped faces with, with us. We've made it out the other side. Um, our respective wives and partners have not been raw dogged by bad men, uh, which is always encouraging to know. Um, but for the listeners, um, where can they sort of find yourselves and uh, the things that you're up to and uh, your podcast on socials and online and such things as well? 
Okay, so yes, um, our podcast is The Worst There Was, where we pick an era of wrestling history that's notoriously bad and go through and be like, is it good? Is it bad? Spoilers, it's mostly bad. Um, you can find us, our link tree, it's TWTWpod on all the social media, but we have a link tree, which is TWTWpod, which will access to everything. I should probably also mention that I have another podcast called The Stupid Sexy Podcast, and there's a theme here in which me and co-host Heather Anderson look at the supposedly bad seasons of The Simpsons to find out if they're good or bad, and spoilers, they are bad. Uh, so that you could just, same thing. It's on the social, Stupid Sexy Podcast. Uh, so that's my two. TWTWpod and Stupid Sexy Podcast. I'm emphasizing. There you go. Ronan, do you want to plug anything? <laughs> I don't have it. I don't have another podcast. And I do stand-up comedy, but I don't put up any videos or anything, so don't go looking for me. <laughs> if you go to my if you go to my Instagram you can see holiday photos and there's about ten, 10 of them. Amazing. But, uh, I do do that podcast with Alan and we're we're coming back for season two, baby. Amazing. So all the links in the description as per usual. But it is time to sign off from face off. Um, so again, Alan Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Um, we will return with another Cage film in the near future uh, on Cage Rage and Nicholas Cage podcast. But until then, as always and as ever, remember keep on, keep on caging. It's all you have to do. Thank you. Take care and goodbye. Cage.